This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 22, First Round Strategies, Sardak Nor. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Welcome to Space Cats Peace Turtles. I'm Matt Martins. I'm here with Hunter Donaldson. Hunter Donaldson, how was your trip? You just got back from San Francisco. How did it all go? We're recording this in a time that isn't before you left for San Francisco, definitely. So please tell me everything about how San Francisco went. They made me the king of San Francisco. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, so one of the things that happened was when I got there, there was an old man dying in the street, and I I tried to save him, and I took him to uh, a... um, a soup kitchen and mm-hmm. I tried to get some soup in him and he died and it turned out he was the king of San Francisco. Wow. And as he was dying, he took he was wearing a crown the whole time and he took the crown off his head and he put it on my head. So I am the king of San Francisco. Um so I'm actually not physically here with you right now. I am projecting my consciousness oh, from San Francisco. That is amazing. Which uh which is super cool. Also, I had some ideas for some apps and Sold those to some uh, nerds, uh-huh. so I'm also very rich now. Wow! And I, I, uh, I live in San me. Francisco, and I project my consciousness to Portland for the sake of this podcast. Not for much longer, though. Um, I will be saying that I will be retiring to the <laughs> celestial place <laughs> with all the other very wealthy San Francisco people. Right. Um, so As they all do. <clears throat> um, I'm not even sure I remember exactly what Twilight Imperium is, nor am I interested in that. I have lots and lots of money now, and um, I have lots of ideas for apps. Like, here's an idea for an app. Um, what about an app uh, that makes you immortal? That would be good. I, you know what's especially useful? You didn't about really that? sound that impressed with the. No, idea. I'm impressed with it, and I, I think you those... kind of said just like that would be good. Like you didn't even really hear the idea. Well, let's be honest. How many people are going to use that? I think a lot of people would like to be immortal. I mean, I'm immortal now because of all the money that I have. That mm-hmm. makes me immortal uh, from living in San Francisco. Money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you immortality. Now, I will say this: I am loaded now, but I am still quite worried about money because I don't know if you know this, but it's actually very expensive to live in San Francisco. So I'm making about <laughs> three or four trillion dollars a day, but that hardly even touches yeah. my monthly rent. Which they didn't even give me a number. They just said it will be all of the money that I have minus two. <laughs> so that's actually a huge problem for me because if I only have two, they didn't even say what two means. Yeah, but they did just say two of them. They There's said two, it, and they, they're gotta go. It's like you look at my my agreement, my rental agreement, and it just says all my money minus two. Yeah. So it is pretty um, inconvenient. Well, Hunter, I have a way to help you out with that minus two. Yeah. Um, today we're talking about a race that's plus one. So I'm going to meet you in the middle a little bit, and uh, let's talk about the Sardak Nor. Do we Everybody, have to? Do That's we... my question <laughs> to start. It's your do, turn. Do we have to start? Do we have to talk about them? We At some point, we're going to have to talk about the Sardak Nor, and today's that day. So, Hunter, tell me about the Sardak Nor. So I got to say um, uh, that they have a population of 28.71 billion, um, and I also have to say that their government style is called the Veiled Brood, um, and their leadership is the Envoy. Their disposition is aggressive. Um, their tendencies are military. All of the you're saying is not important. What is important is that the Sardaignor live near the Unicorn Nebula. 
I would say that's arguably as important as Hobby, all the Aren't you I happy said. to live near the Unicorn Nebula? Doesn't that excite you to live so close to the Unicorn Okay, that's nebula? a racist accent, and we have a lot of listeners that are... Unicorns? Could be. Um, I've never <laughs> looked at the breakdown, but I'm sure there are quite a few. If you would please write in to Matt to let him know that he is racist. You don't like the Unicorn Nebula voice? That I don't doing. like this, and you know what's weird is I was totally okay with the Australian thing we did <laughs> a couple months back, uh, but this one I'm not cool with. I want to say for the record that I'm going to call the Sardak Nor the Space Germans only because I don't want... Baron Yeletnev, damn it, because I think the Germans have had enough connection with Nazis. And, and you'd Barony... rather have them connected to bug people? Yeah. That's what you... Yeah. Yeah, all right. For Let's... no reason. Please tweet at Angela Merkel to let her know <laughs> that you don't see her so much as a space Nazi anymore. That's very nice to say to her. And I think she deals with enough these days, in my opinion. <laughs> I really do. I, I really do. I feel for Angela Merkel. So, Hunter, what's, what's the deal with... Uh, Sardak Nor. Let's go over well, their, race their one ability. Um, it's called <laughs> Unrelenting, which is kind of an overstatement. Uh, apply plus one to the result of each of your unit's combat rolls. Um, a if couple that weren't enough. What does that? Yeah. What does that not mean? Uh, so what it doesn't mean is that does not apply to bombardment. That does not apply to space cannon. That does not apply to anti fighter. I almost called it anti fighter garage, <laughs> as if you fly around with a space garage that you catch fighters Fighter inside thing. of and then it crushes park, them. Hey, man, you can park them right in here. Let me tell you, just like right there in the back of the garage. They'll fit just fine. So, yeah, you get a plus to um, all of the units. Uh, and I will say that when it comes to design, it does feel like kind of similar to the yin that the developers mm-hmm. like that ability but are afraid of it. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, Sardak Nor is kind of pre- Nerf yeah. in some ways, yeah. in my opinion. They got hurt a lot. And um, you'll you'll hear in the ways uh, that we go. Uh, we should talk about the flagship real quick well, because they, we won't much more. Yeah, we won't say much um, more. So the flagship is called the Camoran Nor, uh, and it, it it allows you to apply plus one to the result of each of your ship's combat rolls in the system. It basically gives your racial ability um, to every ship in the system. Except for uh, that one itself. It doesn't apply to the flagship. Each of your other ships. Other ships, yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually an interesting note and kind of makes the math kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's another plus one kind of interesting um i would not say it is essential and i have i'm just gonna be completely honest i haven't really used it so much you know what i'll say about it um it's a nice one to have something we're gonna talk a lot more in this episode is sardak nor is very um objective focused in that you don't get to work much outside of what the objectives tell you to do and if you have objectives that require you to like have your flagship or do things with flagships or whatever i think there's only one really that i'm talking about which is unveil flagship right right. but like it's not a bad flagship to have if that's in your way but we're going to be making a lot of cases of like you do not need to be working outside of your purview and this probably qualifies as one of those things where it's like it's not a must get. Yeah, actually, I would say I'm, I, I'll i go ahead and make a blanket statement that the community can feel free to disagree with me on. Uh, if you do not get the secret objective that is called Unveil Flagship, uh, you will not have the time for this. Probably um, not. Yeah. You The, the Sardak Nor are the opposite of what I would call luxury races, yeah. <laughs> uh, which would be like Hakan or Jolnar, mm-hmm. where you're just kind of like having a lot of fun and getting to kind of make a lot of choices uh, outside of the necessary requirements for filling victory points, Sardak Nor is the opposite yeah. of that. So with every recommendation that we give you in this episode, just keep in mind that your resources 
are going to be limited in a lot of ways throughout the entire game. And so that is actually the priority. So I'm not going to recommend that you build the flagship because it's not bad, but it is not essential to right. your overall strategy. Yep. And if it does not net you a victory Few point... Few things are essential. Yeah, so yeah, that is that, that is definitely something we are going to stress um, over the course of this episode. There are very, very few uh, Sardite nor moves and things that you can do and yeah. things that you can build and things that you can research that are essential. Yes. Uh, you're going to be playing a lot of catch-up yeah. in this um, game. The other thing worth noting, this isn't a racial ability, but they do start with Exotrireme Dreadnoughts, which are special Dreadnoughts. The thing of note here is they have Bombardment times two on a four. Which is great. Which is amazing. You have really good Bombardment yeah. if you go for Dreadnoughts. The problem is going to be... Dreadnoughts aren't necessarily your best thing to go for if the game isn't directing you towards that. Right. Uh, so you're, everything in the game is going to be pointing you in a direction, and you should never work outside of that point. Right. So um, one thing that I think we should probably break down while we're just talking about the Sardak Nor in a very basic way. Yes. This plus one across the board when it comes to combat. Um, if you work out the math on that, which um, someone has, someone did... Uh, actually, very, lots of people have. Yeah. Uh, I've seen in very various posts on Board Game Geek and Reddit Twilight Imperium. And I will tell you, even though I do not remember the numbers exactly, that plus one is much more significant on the cheaper units yes. than they are on the uh, more expensive units. And I can break this down pretty easily without knowing the numbers. A War Sun that hits three on a three. Uh, the percentage of it hitting is already pretty high, yeah. so increasing that to two does not make a huge difference. Yeah. Whereas people get really, I want to, I want to drive this point home. People get really into having the Sardak Nor flagship and War Sons, and that meaning, well, your three hit automatically, and it's like, well, no, you have an eighty percent chance of hitting already. Like you're already almost guaranteed. And you, what did it cost you to get all the way to right. War Sons and put your flagship on the board? What have you not been spending your money on? Because I bet it's objectives. Right, and the so the increases you're gonna feel a lot more on things like infantry and fighters, mm -hmm. and carriers, destroyers, even cruisers mm -hmm. are better when it comes to the amount of improvement that you're gonna see. Yeah. Um, and also they're cheaper, and that's kind of the key yeah, here. Yeah, the biggest thing is you're getting a bigger statistical bonus, and you're gonna be able to capitalize on that more. You can get eight fighters for the cost of one Dreadnought, and the amount that you're capitalizing on your ability is going to significantly increase with eight fighters compared to one Dreadnought. Yes, for sure. Um, and. Just keep in mind, you do not have, like, you have this plus one to combat rolls, and then that is it. There is not really a single resource in the game where you have any advantages right. on. You're, you, you, let's talk about your starting units. Um, they are uh, pretty good. They're not so great that it somehow balances you forward. Mm -hmm. There are lots of races that have comparable or yeah. even slightly better starts than you. Yes. You do not have the best start in the game. You got two C5I. We love you, that. Yeah, two car you, Well, let's yeah, let's break it down. You've got two carriers. You've got one cruiser. You've got five infantry. You've got a space dock, obviously, and a PDS. Um, PDS is nice, I guess. The two C5I. That's pretty great. I mean, mm -hmm. all, all we ever at the very is least, it, you don't have to worry about that. You're not behind on expansion. You should just expand pretty normally. Sure. But the but again, the only way that you can exercise your race advantage is through uh, units and warfare. So no matter how many starting units you have, if it's not the best in the game, this yeah. isn't really a huge yeah. boon to you. And Hunter, you've, you've said to me multiple times, you, you're really upset that they don't start with any fighters because, again, that's like kind of your biggest 
That's like your best bet is having a. a I am bummed that they don't start with even yeah. a single fighter because it feels like if they even if you even just threw two fighters in there, yeah. that that would be a nice little extra boon to the Sardak. And it just feels like in a lot of ways they've been cut short as much as yeah. possible. They start with zero technology, and that. In that, my mind, sometimes I've gone back and forth in this, and I just think, well, you're only one behind most races, but it, it adds up, and it's a big problem, and many people will tell you starting with no tech really hurts you because you're not really going in any direction initially. The reason it slows you down it doesn't really have a lot to do with the benefits of tech. There's yeah. a lot of tech that you will purchase in every single game that does not benefit you constantly, so not having that is not a huge deal. The problem is this. You start behind everyone at the table when it comes to technology victory points. That is the only reason that it upsets me. I am not like... I am not obsessed with the idea that, like, oh, I don't start with Sarween tools. Lots of people yeah. don't start with Sarween tools. Right. Lots of people don't start with the, like, various level one techs. Lots of people start with level two techs that I don't even consider useful at all right. round one, i.e. Arborek. Yeah, yeah, Mage and Defense Grid. But I still would much rather play Arborek because at least you start with one tech of yes. a color. Right. So you are not completely behind on that. So before we get into much more, a lot of this has still been introduction. And the, the I think the biggest point to drive home with Sardak Noor and the thing we want to express to especially newer players, if you've never played Sardak Noor, you've maybe only got one or two or very few games under your belt, and you are listening to this because you want to get ideas because you're intending to play Sardak Noor. You, if you're new to this game, my biggest suggestion is do not play Sardak Noor. Yeah. Because a lot of people like to recommend Sardak Noor as an early game race because it's very easy to grasp their abilities. But the problem is their abilities give them very few opportunities to win games. And the Sardak Noor are actually an incredibly complex, difficult race. And I have never seen a new player do even decent Right. With Sardak Noor. They always fall drastically far behind because there are many complexities to Sardak Noor that are not um, evident to a new player. So if you are a new player thinking about playing Sardak Noor, maybe someone even suggested it to you, I cannot disagree enough, and I would say try a different race. Yeah, I, I've even seen Sardak Noor players do things where they play very quietly to themselves and catch up on tech right. and eventually research something like War Sons. Yeah. And then I'll see them do that and I'll just think to myself, what a huge waste of money. Yeah. Like yeah. that you could that, have gotten so many other things. For well, I cannot also. stress that War Sons is not a great pick for Sardak Noor. It is a lot of money and resources and time into something that is not really playing into what you're great at. Let's talk about their promissory note and their home system real quick while we're in the introductory phase. I want to at least read you the promissory note um, because I feel like this is maybe a hill that I'm going to die on a little bit. Yeah, people Um, are going to disagree with Hunter's opinions on promissory notes and... I just want you to give him space on what the argument he's trying to make because it's pretty valid. And it it proved itself in the game we just played. Yeah, so their promissory note is called Teklar Legion. Um, And the way it reads is, At the start of an invasion combat, you can apply plus one to the result of each of your unit's combat rolls during this combat. If your opponent is the Nor player, apply minus one to the result of each of his or her unit's combat rolls during this combat. Then return this card to the Nor player. So... This 
is a, to, in my opinion, a very clutch promissory note. Yeah. There are lots of ground invasion combats that happen in a game that are very tight. Yeah, that even, oh, it's 2v3 or 1v1 right, or whatever. Right. And then the fact that this can be used against you, like, which is kind of the, it's literally, so again, it's another example where the developers have, like, kind of pre-nerfed it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's even worth the risk of yeah. the, it being used And, and we'll talk you. about this more when we get into mid-game stuff, but I think the timing with which you decide to offer this up to yes. people, that's what makes that it good. That is essential. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on from that yeah, for yeah, now. Yeah. Um, um, and let's talk about their home system. It is um, a 3-1 and a 1-0. Oh. Uh, it's a two-planet home system, which I'm uh, historically a very big fan of. I like it here. I love having uh, two planets This my is home one system. area, too, where they did not get pre-nerfed. Having four resources to start with is kind of crucial. Yeah, for it's, it's very important because you're going to have to research a tech first yes. round. Like, it, yeah. it is so you, super like, crucial. So you, intend on spending your four resources on tech. Yeah. Just plan to spend your planets on tech. I think this is another place, though, where they could have gotten, like, a little bit of a something. Like, maybe a 3-2. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody is a 3-2 now that I think about it. Is that is that I mean, true? there are 3-2 planets. Well, um, I mean, sorry. Um, when I said 3-2, I guess I meant, like, 3 resource, 2 resource. Oh, oh, fine. No, because there's only one 5 resource, and it's L1. Yeah. So and no, then there's a 4-2 with Letnev. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's good. Uh, their home system is good, but... I feel like there's so much pre-nerfing that has happened with Sardak Noor yeah. that, I mean, just like, I don't know, throw him some sort of bone or something. Right. I just don't know. But anyways, um, the, you have four, four resources, and they are kind of already spoken for. You need to make sure that you get tech round one. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get into that early, early game. game yeah. Let's okay, talk so about Hunter, map placement. Yeah, we, we've, we've broken this down for so many different races in so many different ways. Um I feel like Sardak Nor is going to have a very different recommendation. What kind of pie slice are you hoping to get? Whether that's you're building it yourself in the normal build method, or if you're doing our co-op method, you're picking kind of the most optimal pie slice you can. What are you looking for? Yeah, well, regardless, you're going to get a lot more out of tech specialties than most um like races uh in a lot of ways sardak nor uh anything that we would say about the jolnar flip it and reverse it yeah <laughs> and that is exactly what we're gonna say for them so with jolnar uh tech specialties are not very important because they're just so good at zooming through the tech right. so therefore with sardak nor the tech it. specialties are very important because they allow you to actually make real choices with tech right. because you're going to be playing catch-up for the entire game, making sure that you have enough tech to satisfy even some very basic public stage one objectives. Yes. Um, so those tech specialties will allow you to research more techs that you actually want and need. And every time you research a tech, it is a lot more crucial than most races right. because most races start with at least a single tech. Right. Getting a tech you don't need with Sardak Nor is... Tragic. It's a huge bummer. Yeah, yeah. It is a huge bummer. And you don't have a lot of, uh, traditionally, you don't really have a way to get a lot of money. You only start with three commodities. Yeah. Um, and you're going to, you're we are going to talk a lot about how diplomatic that you're going to have yeah. to be. So, okay, you, you suggest you want tech specialties, but are you choosing tech specialties over resources? Sardak Nor, more than most races, it is crucial that you pick a very good yeah. pie slice in the very traditional sense yeah. like we want high resource yeah. planets we want lots of planets so the possible. point being get basically the highest amount of resources you can get 
and if all things are even, get the one with more tech specialties. Or the tech specialty you predict you will make better use of. Yeah. You so, want almost any tech specialty will do. Like, every tech specialty yeah, is good. Yeah. But you might have to, like, call it if there, if two pie slices are both six resources and one's got a yellow tech specialty and one's got a green, you're just going to have to pull that trigger. Yeah, we pick, should maybe talk about, though, what tech specialties what I, are better. Like, I would say I would say fair a little bit better. Um, I personally really like the blue tech specialty. Yeah. Being able to skip anti-mass deflector straight to gravity drive, that's yeah. pretty nice. Um, yellow might be interesting. Getting to transit diodes versus having to get graviton. Yeah. That might be interesting. Um, skipping Majin, a red. Did yeah. I just recommend all of armor. the... Right. I mean, like, we, we really I'm just are. trying to tell you which ones I would skip. Um, green is interesting because I don't think there's a single green I would skip. Right. Um, however, it would be nice to maybe try and get to... Uh, hypermetabolism. Hypermetabolism. Like, skipping Daxiv, I think, is... I, I mean, honestly, with Sardak, it's, you would maybe want to skip Neural. Maybe. Get Daxiv. Yeah. If you have a green tech specialty planet, get Daxiv, get hypermetabolism. Yeah. Don't get Neural. I mean, Neural, yeah. neural is going to be great for anybody, and, and it's probably good... Hey guys, this is Matt from the future. I wanted to cut in here because we really just ran through a lot of texts, and I know in the past we've had done a bad job of explaining what the texts are as we're just listing them off at you. Uh, Hunter and I get really caught up in the discussion so we don't stop. So uh, Neural Motivator we're talking about is the one that grants you an extra action card. Dax of Animator is what allows you to add a ground force to a planet when you win a ground combat. Hypermetabolism grants you the extra command counter. Gravity Drive was the one that let you get plus one to a single ship's movement, so very good for mobility. And Transit Diodes lets you move your ground forces before activation, so you have a little bit more freedom to get your ground forces where you need them. So all of these are pretty important factors in that discussion. Sorry we didn't stop in the middle of it. So let's jump back in. But like, you're playing so tight with Sardak Nor, you gotta really make that call of is it going to be better to get the more command counters and it almost always is and when we're talking tech i know we just uh talked at about almost every single color yes we did talk about we every did. single color uh you won't get to do all those things no. so just go ahead and be yeah it's a you're going to pull the trigger that. and you're going to just hope that it pays you're off. not going to be able to get all of the tech that you want except right. it so okay so you got as much money as you possibly could get in your pie slice hopefully with a tech specialty maybe two if you got lucky um so now we're ready to pick some strategy cards Honor, give me your plan. Okay, so I've got two I want to recommend um, kind of on equal footing, yeah. um, and that's going to be trade or tech. I'm going to break down trade first because tech is a little more obvious. Yeah. Um, the reason, and I actually really, really like trade probably more so than tech, um, and the reason is this. Uh, I do not think that with tech you're, gonna, you're probably going to be able to get to research two, which would be ideal if you could, but it depends on timing of uh, diplomacy. diplomacy. There's there's a lot of uh, different factors. So let's go to trade. Um, with trade, you're going to talk to one of your neighbors. You're going to try and expand in the same direction as your neighbor. Beforehand, which, like at the start of the game, yes. before people make moves, start talking to your neighbor. Before you do anything, you need to make sure that your neighbor is going to expand in such a way in the first round that you're going to be able to trade with them. Then when this happens, you're going to flip trade, get your three trade goods, and then trade your three commodities with your neighbors, three for three. Maybe even try and do some promissory note trading to get a few more trade goods out of it. If you want to trade your racial, go ahead. If you want to try and trade something else, go ahead. Like The point is, some people might tell you early aggression is best, and to a certain extent, they are right. But early diplomacy 
policy is like maybe the only thing that will save you in certain games. I think you're going to have to be friends with one of your neighbors. Yeah. You don't have to be friends with both. That's ridiculous. But you're going to have to be friendly with one of them yeah. at least for a moment. And make it work their while. Right. Early. So why are we getting these six trade goods? Well, you cannot express your advantage without lots of units. Yeah. And we've already broken down for you that the cheaper the unit, the more your advantage is. So Hunter... Why not spend all four of your main resources just on units? Why aren't we just building all units and ignoring tech altogether? Because there are too many secret and public objectives yep. that are tech dependent, and you start behind. You just have to. You have to. You won't get ahead later, so you gotta start picking up the pace. If right you now. try and ignore tech now, you're going to be forfeiting who knows how many victory points, yep. and you will not win this game doing right. that. You are going to have to catch up on tech. I broke it down so many times in my head trying to figure out if I could justify saying, ignore tech, go for units, too many don't worry points. about it. It's too many victory points. I cannot recommend that to you. You are piloting a massive old warship, and it has a leak in yep. it, yep. and you have to plug that hole yep. right away. Yep. Which is why it would be super, it, it wouldn't be horrible if you got a hold of tech and we were able to find a way to research two tech. I mean, it would probably or or play tech and use your four resources. Just sure, on or use your flip, four flip, resources flip elsewhere. But I do think that you're going to probably need more units early game than most yeah. uh, races. So trade trade getting ideally six trade goods or even five. If you made a three two, would you make a three two trade with someone? If your if your neighbor was a two trade commo or two commodity race, would you no. give three for two? But you would do no. two for two. I, I would do two for two. Okay, but you you need to try but and that's get still five. Yeah, I I I need to stress to you how important it is to have as many units on the board as possible because yeah. that's the only way that you can express so your you're advantage. Getting, you're getting your six trade goods with trade, ideally six at least, and then building. Lots of cheap stuff. Not building a dread. Do not build a dreadnought in your no, first round. No, no, do not bother. You're gonna need the the other. So when we were breaking down um, Soul and Arborek, we stressed this idea, especially with Soul, of trying to get to a planet first and putting ground forces yeah. on there. This same principle applies to Sardak Nor. You're yeah. just not as good at it. Right. So like you you don't have the movement. Uh, bonuses that uh, soul uh, soul start very close to gravity drive. They yeah. start very close to carrier two. You don't have that, sure. but if but you can worth, get there, yeah, you and will it's basically worth have the same type. At all levels, your ground forces are as good as souls. Yeah, soul starts with a bonus. You have a natural bonus when you upgrade your ground forces. They will match souls upgraded ground forces. So that's why that strategy still applies. Is mm -hmm. you you can get and hold planets. You can't drop new guys on them easily but you can get and hold planets if you find ways to invest in them and always and uh this is one of the reasons that as far as tech goes for for the first round we're going to probably recommend sarween so yeah. that you can make the most of your uh unit advantage uh you need to and one of the things you're also going to run into is a production cap uh, yeah. problem you start you with can, a decent system i mean you start with five which is yeah, horrible yeah. you can and you, you can, can upgrade build five. if you throw another space luck in your home system i don't know if i recommend that depends on i what, do depends on what's around you i, I do guess. yeah i i think you need to to consider throwing eventually we're getting a little carp before sure, the horse sure, now sure. but i do think you should consider throwing down the second one in your home yeah. system just because this is kind of similar to how i play with uh hakan uh, if you're going to make the most of Sardak Nor, you need 
to have plenty of units, a healthy supply, yeah. and also be willing to risk those units if yes. it's necessary. Yes. Because and we'll the talk only... more about those risks yeah. in a bit, okay. but they're interesting risks. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit. We talked about trade. Trade's probably your favorite one. Tech is almost equally good. Do you have any other strategy cards? Those two both got taken. What, what are our backups? So um, diplomacy, you can use largely to in the same way that yeah. uh, you would use trade in that it would get you some extra um, cash. Extra cash. Uh, you could also use diplomacy to refresh a tech specialty planet. Yeah. That is an interesting proposition. Um, although I do want to stress that I think Sarwin is probably the best. Uh, Gravity Drive might be an interesting get. Um, as far as round one tech stuff. Yeah. Besides that, I don't really know how far I want to go no. with anything else. Yeah. Um, if you have a blue tech specialty, you might consider gravity drive, but only do it if you see where you're going to use gravity drive right away. And always Otherwise, remember, Starween's better. You could go for the uh, diplomacy secondary as well. Yeah. Um, however, we're also going to recommend a lot of secondaries. But let me get to um, the last thing. Uh, leadership would also be an interesting round one pick. Not necessarily interesting. So here's the problem, Sardagnor, is like we're saying, there are a lot of different resources where um, you are going to be lacking. You're yep. going to need command counters. You're going to need tech. We want, small need big, we want small fleets with like a decent amount of ships, so you're going to need to already start considering bumping up your fleet supply. Yeah, you So should. leadership counters are going to help. So that's the kind of thing about Sardagnor, is that this race, it's not super crucial um, what strategy card you pick mm -hmm. because half of them are going to be useful to you. Because you're plugging in all of your gaps. Because that's how many problems that you have, right. basically. Yeah. Um, There's a, if we get errata that is like suggesting another strategy card, in most cases we're going to be like, yeah, I mean, absolutely, because it depends on the game and it depends on what your problems you're looking down the barrel of. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think to a certain extent it's going to come down to preference, but I mean my order is probably trade, tech, diplomacy, leadership. Secondaries, what are we doing? Obviously, if you did not get tech, you're going to want to do tech. Yep. Um, uh, warfare you're going to want to do, and the reason that you're going to want to do that is uh, to build some units that could possibly move yeah. first round there might be i would say more often than not you're probably not going to get to move i feel like it's pretty easy to stall you out yeah you're and not especially so, good but it's okay i think that's okay if you're if you're just focusing on building a bunch of units you're building up like a decent fleet you're building a couple destroyers a cruiser whatever you're building up this other stuff it's not the end of the world if you don't get your new fleet out of your home system turn one yeah. you can be stalled out of it and still do the secondary of warfare i think that is still better than most other secondaries yeah I, I will say there is probably a world somewhere where you were able to um, strike at someone early, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I would say that warfare might really come in handy. Yeah. Uh, popping down some cruisers somewhere um, might it might be good if you find uh, an area to strike that is poorly defended. Do not overestimate your advantage ever. Right. Um, you in an even fight you're gonna come out ahead but not a whole so much ahead where yeah. you should be taking risks all the time can i, can I say this yeah. this is incredibly specific this is so stupidly specific but um if that public objective have two systems adjacent to mechatol rex comes out this is one of the ones that you could get round one yeah. and you should get it because if anything get it out of the way yeah. And I say this I would say this for most races, but especially with Sardak where like you are filling so many other gaps. If that is one of the first two objectives, build two cruisers and make that happen for yourself. Or build one. You have another cruiser, right? Just like make that happen yeah. round one. So yeah. you don't need to worry about that anymore because it's gonna be such a pain to like always have that something you haven't done yet. Like mm -hmm. get that one out of the way. Um, because it's you've got so many other things you have to worry about. And as far as uh building, uh as far as units, uh we just wanna keep emphasizing 
the cheaper the unit, the better your advantage. Yep. Um, having lots of fleets with uh, cheaper units, and when I say cheaper units, I'm also including things like ground forces in that, yep. which is like a big part of your advantage. God, I wish you just had something yeah. more advantages than what yeah. you have. Um, you don't have mobility or production advantages, which would really help you. Yeah. Um, but you don't have those things, so you really have to work on fixing stuff. Let's maybe get into the mid-game. Are yeah. we ready to do that? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing we need to talk about up front is we suggest a trade, and we suggest getting it to the neighbors, and Sardak, I think a pretty common thing that people suggest about Sardak is like, hey, take early victories, like, wipe people out, do no, do these terrible things, no. and that's gonna make you such a target, and that's where Sardak really falls behind, is if, like, people just, you don't even have to be winning in victory points, but if people don't like you because you attack all their stuff, it's gonna hurt you all game. So, being diplomatic early is super important. And so, what are we... Okay, we talked about the commodities thing, right? Three mm -hmm. commodities isn't bad. That's fine. It's, it's okay. average. Yeah, it's average. So use them. Get, them. get them out to people. Maybe pick, like Hunter said, pick your one neighbor and just like the two of you establish a strong relationship mm -hmm. that, that the, you want to give your neighbor that, you're, that you've chosen to do this with no incentive to turn their back on you. Right. Just stick with them through and through until end game when everybody breaks alliances. But like hold on to somebody early. Um, so Hunter, we talked about we would bring up the promissory note. What are we doing with this promissory note? So you're going to look, in every single game of Twilight Imperium, there are always a series of invasion combats that are really close calls. Mm -hmm. And every time you see one of those about to happen, or literally about to happen, you can resolve transactions whenever you want. In the middle of combat, In the middle matter. of combat, you can do it. Um, you need to sell your promissory note as much as possible. Yep. And also... And I'd be selling it at a time where they would almost definitely use it immediately. Right. People don't typically want to buy your promissory note outside of the context of an upcoming invasion people combat. People are not convinced people... that it's any good. And right. I, uh, I get frustrated with that. But, <laughs> but it... then the moment it is in front of them and they're like, oh, if I had plus one, that would really make the difference, that's when you sell it. Most of the non-ground like ground force specific races... A lot of their invasion combats happen like kind of by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. Um, especially Jolnar. Um, Jolnar has a big ground force problem. Right. So like, the, yeah, that, that's kind of your prime target. But there's a lot of races mm -hmm. that I feel like typically don't build a lot of ground forces. Barony Aletnev. Yep. L1Z1. Xcha. Right. Like lots of races just kind of get caught with not enough ground forces. And you need to look at those people and be like, hey, do you want this plus one? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's... I mean, you could probably get it in, like, a soul player's hand if they were kind of silly, but yeah, I don't think they really need this. Arborex probably not going to happen. Look, look for the close calls and sell it and get money look for, for it. Look for the people that are targeting Arborex and soul. Right. People that really want to, like, make a statement and, like, someone who's trying to uproot Arborex start selling Teklar Legion. And remind everyone that you have it and what it does, because yeah. the thing is, like, when we were building this episode... There's not a lot of wiggle room that you have as yeah. Sardak Nor. This is kind of one of your only tools for this. Yeah. So you need to get it out there. You yeah. need to get as much money for it as possible. Always remind people that you've got it. And how much? You, what are you trying to get for it? I mean, just anything. God, you'll wheel and deal it for anything. Yeah. I mean, like look at what they have and just any available ask, trade goods, yeah. any available commodities. Three, two, one, whatever. whatever like it you is. probably can't get more than three for it. I don't think like yeah. people really value it that high. But trade, trade other bad promissory notes that you see a way to. I mean, the thing Hunter kept trying to do, and it never worked, but it probably should have. Is you and Joel Nar should be trading. 
promise. Yeah, see, there's I, like no reason for the two of you not to be trading promise. I wanted to trade it to Jolnar for research agreement, and the in the game that we were in, the Jolnar player really did not want to do that because at they didn't all. want to give. They, they could tell it was a bigger advantage for you than it was for them, which I see. I still agree with that, but it is there's more to it than that, and and um, I they think, they had some some battles where if they had had better ground forces, it certainly would have helped. See, and I I. I I do, I mean, I, I kind of got to stand by my guns here. I think that the Jolnar ground force is hitting on a nine. It's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. bad. Yeah. And like that that plus one, going from a nine to an eight is is a, a really big jump as far as probabilities are yes, concerned. absolutely. So like, I think a Jolnar player should be willing to play pretty fast and loose with you with the research agreement. Yeah. Because the thing is like, you're so behind with tech anyways that, like, is it really that harmful to let Sardak Nord Catch get up a little just bit. a little? Yeah. It probably won't even be enough to close the gap. Right. Like, I think the the other thing that Jolnar should consider in this agreement is that Sardak is probably going to take whatever they can get. Exactly. So you re- most players are going to hold on to that Jolnar agreement and only get the juicy stuff. But Sardak, Sardak is you not don't, like You don't that. have room to screw around. Yeah, and, and again, actually, I'm going to even confirm this on, on the Sardak side. If you're a Sardak player and you get research agreement, especially early game uh spend it like yeah, use it get, on anything just get the tech because right. there's going to be a tech objective that's going to come out and when it comes out it's going to frustrate you to just make you. sure yeah. and also we should maybe even run down those tech objectives at some point i mean we're in the mid-game discussion we might as well talk about it yeah. as far as tech objectives go there's um the stage one two tech in two different colors there's the stage one two unit upgrades there's the stage two two techs in four colors there's the stage two three unit upgrades there's the secret objective two faction tech there's a secret objective four tech of the same color. The problem with all those tech objectives is they certainly pull you in a lot of different directions. The biggest outlier is the four tech of the same color. Everything else is certainly pointing you towards have a milieu of tech. That's kind of one of our things is we're not going to tell you to like go for a specific thing because like you're just trying to qualify for these and move on with your life. Um, So that if you get the four tech of the same color, that's tricky. You can do it, but it's, it's going to, that's going to definitely put the biggest hamper on you. But all those other things, that's, you know, eight points that could possibly out be out there that you might be missing out on. And remember, um, I know that it might not actually sound like that many objectives. The stage one objectives, you're going to run into every single stage one objective in any Twilight Imperium mm-hmm. game. You're going to see over and over way more often than right. any of the others. Stage so that's twos. two stage twos yeah. that I bet you will see. It's fairly crucial. Stage one, yeah. sorry, that you will see many, many times. Yeah, and it's fairly crucial, I would say, for any race to find a way to accomplish all the stage one public objectives. Yeah. Because there's going to be races that definitely can, and if you are unable to do that, you are drastically far behind. Yeah. Or you need to get lucky with secret objectives. For sure. We've talked about the promissory note. As far as tech path in general... This, this is kind, kind of what we're saying. This is, is what we're saying. You... It needs to be based on objectives. Exotrireme, um, the racial dreadnought upgrade, is very, very cool. And we should probably even just read it out what it yes. is. Um, it read, is. We didn't we didn't introduce either of their racial techs. Yeah. So let's introduce both of their racial techs right. real quick. So what's what's actually very interesting about the Sardak Noor is that their dreadnought upgrade, in my opinion, is a lot better than the dreadnought races. Dreadnought yeah, upgrade. L1Z1X is not having especially amazing dreadnought upgrade. And this, what I'm about to read to you, is a very, very cool uh, unit upgrade that a lot of people like very, very much. With good reason. And I like it a lot, too. I want to make that what I said that yes. out loud. We, we said it out Whatever loud. Whatever I say next, you remember that I said that I very, very much like this tech, and yeah. it's very, very good. <laughs> Exo Trireme 2, Dreadnought Upgrade. This unit cannot be destroyed by direct hit, blah, blah, blah. 
After a round of space combat, you may destroy this unit to destroy up to two ships in the system. You choose. It does not say that on the card, but that is how, it, how works. it works. You, you, as the Sardak player, get to destroy. Like Brotherhood of Yin style, yes. pick your target, and it's way better. And we've said this before, but this is better than this, any of the Brotherhood of right. Yin's abilities. It gets sustained damage. It gets bombardment uh, four times two. Times two. Same as what it was. Same as what it was. It gets the two-move standard stuff. Yeah. It's otherwise a normal Dreadnought upgrade, but the fact that you can sacrifice it to destroy two ships. You can destroy two War Suns just by killing one Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. That, that effect is not lost on us. It is not. However, if this was any other race, I would be like, get, get it, it every time. Oh, it's so cool. Get yeah. it, get it, get it. The problem is you start with no tech. Yeah. And there are a lot of tech objectives that you're probably going to run into. And not a lot of time to get tech. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So, because of that reason, I'm going to say that it is a non-essential tech that you will probably not need to research every single time. You will get it a lot. You we are not saying don't get it. We're saying it's very, very good, but similar to their plus one ability in general, do not be deceived by thinking this is what's going to save your game. Right. The it won't. Exo Trireme 2 will not give you the victory in every game. In some games, it will. You already have the bombardment, though. And so the abil- what you are getting the upgrade for is that ability to kill two huge ships. If you don't have huge ships hitting the board near you, it is not important in that game. And the fact that it is a Dreadnought upgrade, remember, kind of runs contrary yes. to the overall logic of your ability, which is that your cheap, cheap units are better yes. across the board than everybody else's cheap units. Your Dreadnoughts are a little bit better than everybody else's. It does not make a huge difference in the large scheme of things as far as probability right. goes. They are Let's... a lot better against Barony. They're a lot against Muat. We'll talk about that when we get into counters and stuff. There are things that they are great against, but we just it doesn't feel right for us to say, ooh, definitely go for that every time because you're definitely going for whatever tech gets you objectives every exactly. time. And, and sometimes Exotrireme does not fit into that. Right. So... Um, the other racial tech they have is called Valkyrie Particle Weave. Uh, it requires a two red. And after making combat rolls during a round of ground combat, if your opponent produced one or more hits, you produce one additional hit. Um, this is good, interesting. They already have better ground forces. Mm-hmm. So for kind of that reason, I'm going to say it's also non-essential tech. Yeah. There, there are basically, there are games where like you are sandwiched between Soul and Arborek. And having lots of dreadnoughts with lots of bombardment and like crazy ground force abilities, yeah, yeah that's going to be useful. But it's absolutely not a must get every game. See the problem with you this too. With the problem with both of their racial techs is that um, I've had to research both of them twice in games because I got the secret objective that required me to research faction techs. Yeah. So I did not even get to decide whether I wanted right. them or you not. You just have to do it. And I would say that if had I not gotten that secret objective, I probably would have been way more in to researching things like advanced fighters yes. or uh, the gen synthesis ground forces, yeah. that would have actually been... Their uh, ground forces upgrade is a lot better than this Valkyrie particle weave thing yeah, because absolutely. there's a chance they can keep the ground forces. Exactly. Yeah, get that over Valkyrie every single time. Upgrading your... Uh, getting advanced fighters, basically, is going to be huge for you. I mean, getting them to just move all over, you get to almost do sort of a Nalu thing where you just start spreading out and your fighters are dangerous i mean very very yeah. dangerous hitting yeah. on a seven is as good as your cruisers you... well yeah, your cruisers but most people's cruisers most people's cruisers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. As, as good as most people's cruisers yeah and like i just think in general that the kind of cheaper unit upgrades are gonna go a lot farther yeah. than 
I mean, even exotrireme. Exactly. But like a lot of the times, you're not really going to get to decide what it is that you research right. because you just gotta get the, the victory objectives. points are going to guide you into it. I I think in both games that I got exotrireme, it, it actually wasn't because um, of the. I didn't get the secret objective, but what happened was I had to get two of two different colors, so mm-hmm. I ended up getting Sarween, and then Graviton, and then Anti-Mass, and Gravity Drive, yeah. and was like, well, I might as well get Exo Trireme, because I qualify for I'm it. Because there, now. yeah. But, you, but that doesn't happen in every game. You're going to need to let the VPs guide you. Yes. Um, do not ever research a tech yeah. if it's completely out of sync yeah. with the VPs. So what's interesting here about the point we're making is, uh, we had our Jolnar episode recently, and yeah. what we said with Jolnar is, the world's your oyster. It does. There's no path. You just get whatever you want. And Sardak is an extremely limited version of that same philosophy. Right. There are a lot of potentially useful and not useful texts for Sardak Nor. Yeah. But because they start behind, it's more important for you to pay attention to a path that is governed by the like the game itself yes. than it would be to say, like, oh, blanket statement, like... This, this one's going to be good. This one's going to be good. Yeah. Because they don't start ahead in the tech game in any right. way, it's more about be, playing light on your feet yes. when it comes to tech. Yeah. Um, you will need to take the tech strategy card at some point in the game yes, and, and tend to buy two tech. Yeah. It's like the only way you're going to catch up is if you can get two tech in one round. Yeah. So whenever you do take tech, have a plan to spend the six to get the second one because it's going to help you a, a lot in the long run. I've had to take it... Uh, both times that I played them, uh, both of the games, that, by the way, that I played with Sardak Nor were kind of interesting in that um, I won with asterisks or like had a very soft. The game victory. would get called short. Yeah. There was like little things, but like Hunter had a significant lead. But it's hard to say whether or not that would have turned into a final victory. And I will say that those games were both very, very stressful because yes. again, it just feels like you're you're. You're giving you're, it all you got. You're Sardak. giving it all you got. You're plug. You're trying to plug as many holes as possible, yeah. but it, it is very difficult. Yeah. So um, the other suggestion here, barring the fact that maybe you get the secret objective that says get four of one color, you probably aren't going deep into any tree. No, you get way more out of diversifying your text and yeah. getting more of the level one, level two. Uh, maybe a level three if you can skip. If you can skip. If, but the, the gist is you're probably not getting three tech of any color. You're getting two, and maybe you were able to skip up to tier three. Hunter, what would you say is your your general rule, if you could just put it in a in a one sentence? I would rather upgrade the units than I would do anything else. Yeah. You, know? like, yeah. you don't me, need more colors. You need even better units. Right, because that's the only way that you can play your advantage. Remember, even better cheap units. Right. I'm not right. saying go for war sons. I'm saying, yeah, get yeah. upgrades that are upgrade every small unit you can. Yeah. Upgrade the cruisers, even upgrade the, the destroyers. Man, if it's if that's if it makes sense. My dream really would be ground forces, uh, fighters, and carriers. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. But that's so much tech I just described. Yeah. Um, and that's really the problem is that I mean that's it's a tall order with. But it, what you just described only needs two blue, two green, and you're going to get three upgrades yeah. out of it. Yeah. So that is certainly a direction. We said Sarween tools at the beginning, but honestly, if you get Sarween. Two blue, two green to fulfill the two of two colors. Mm-hmm. Now you can get four different upgrades. Yeah, dreadnought. Yeah, included. Yeah. It's, so it's a good way to go with it. Um, just don't get cocky about tech in any way. Yeah. You're behind, yeah. and uh, you, you need, need to, to catch up. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about command counters because that's going to be difficult. This is another resource. You get no advantage. You have here. no advantage to it whatsoever. Um, I would encourage you to try and take leadership at some point. 
Uh, probably a couple times. Honestly. Yeah, probably a couple times. Again, it's just like man, there's so you have so many needs. Yes, you're a very very needy race with a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, putting command counters into fleet supply, I would recommend. I think you're the type of race uh, that needs to have bigger fleets than the average person. Yeah. Um. So you need to be often putting at least one of those strategy counters into fleet. And I think more when it comes down to is a lot of times when I played Sardak Noor, I will upgrade the fleet supply so that I can take two separate fleets and then combine yes. them unexpectedly. Yes. I pulled that move a lot with Sardak Noor. Um, a lot of times you want to not only have the combat advantage as far as roles go, but like have the numbers advantage yeah. as well is very, very helpful. Right. Uh, you can, you know, like have more cruisers than someone might have as far as like they might have a smaller fleet with like a dreadnought or something and then bring a bunch of cruisers in and destroy that dreadnought that's a very good Sardak nor trade that's right. what you're looking right. for is things like that so here's where we usually like to ask what could have maybe gone wrong in the first round or like what do you what holes are you trying to and fill and i think it's fairly obvious <laughs> what holes there are there's every so single many. one of them yeah you're you probably fixed at least one thing but you are definitely behind on something else. Still. Right. You are. Re- you should think about your first two rounds as your first round. Honestly, first round you're fixing a couple gaps. Second round you're fixing a couple others. Yeah, and I think diplomacy-wise, you're gonna want to focus on keeping one of your neighbors happy. Yep. And the other one, when they leave a hole, when they leave a gap, exploit it. This is huge. Yeah. This is gonna be our biggest point that we haven't harped on enough about yet. But your small fleets, you aren't looking for all-out war with no, anybody. But no. you are looking to be as advantageous as you possibly could in our um theoretical tier list we said that sardak wins through efficient aggression and i still stand by that after we've seen i, I feel better about it too yeah. like you you are you are looking to strike at people when they don't expect it when in the system they weren't wanting you to go to like you aren't taking big fights you're hurting people when they make mistakes don't let anyone get away with a mistake yeah you're poor, basically. Yeah. So that means that whenever you have this advantage, and it's a nice advantage, but whenever you strike out at people, don't like if you lose fights, that's your whole thing. Yeah. It honestly costs you more to lose a fight than it does most people. So don't lose. Right. Like you have this advantage, but don't use it uh, like. Yes. Don't use it without being very conscious of what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, always remember in a in a fight where you have the same amount of units you do have the advantage but i wouldn't even say you have enough of an advantage to be like yeah. oh well this is for sure a good no idea. exactly it's it is a soft advantage and that's also why i encourage you building so many smaller units is because the more units you Flood have on the board them. the more places you might find like oh wow there's a little gap i can get to with these couple cruisers mm. that's a good idea i'm going there i'm going to do that yes yes um so that's the kind of the other problem too is the tech doesn't help you but like mobility is your friend yeah. Which is why dreadnoughts aren't especially useful for you, unless you can upgrade them, but that takes so long to get to. Having mobile units that get to strike at people is always going to be better. Yeah, I don't think I would actually recommend dreadnoughts too strongly unless you're either trying to play defensive or you have gotten exotrireme because that's where the VPs led you And you to need to go. uproot somebody yeah. in a big way. Yeah, but um, I guess actually it might be a good time to start talking about counter stuff, late game stuff. Can we preface all the counter discussion with honestly nothing is really a counter in either direction necessarily yeah there are lots of situations there are no innate just like ooh, you do this better than that race 100 percent of the time that doesn't exist with sardak nor yeah i kind of just like vanilla want to take the counter discussion and make it a little more specific with them so like exo trireme 
um, the the places that I think that it becomes really useful is when you're facing down really high value targets yep. like war suns or flagships. If you get the secret big objective, dreadnought it's like, fleets, yeah, big dreadnought to. fleets. Um, possibly uh, like I mean, in general, when we talk about races, uh, a lot of the races that have uh, fleets like that are like L one Z one, Barony, Muat, Muat, um, Jolnar, like. And, and Jolnar is actually kind of interesting to talk about because a lot of people are like, oh, like Jolnar, you can exploit them early. Um, I think it's actually more the opposite. It's more that, well, not that Jolnar can exploit you, but more like Jolnar can't really mess with you early. Right. But late game, they will be able to. Right. Um, that ground force problem will never really go away Yeah. Um, with them. Their ground right. forces are really bad and yours are really good. So the the big thing there is they pro- they might have some weak points that you can take advantage of early, but definitely don't just like try to hold them over a barrel for the sake of doing it. You do not. You don't counter them enough to do something like that. You do not have the resources to kneecap anybody. Yes. The the like what it what really is required of an eff- effective kneecap race is a very good start, money and mobility, yeah. and you don't have money or mobility. Right. You don't even <laughs> really have a good start. Yeah. So like, there's no reason to talk about Sardak as a kneecapping race. No, definitely not. Um, um, who who's who could we say has sort of counters towards us? We said Jolnar in the like the late game they become a scary threat. Yeah, that and you know you can almost always make that argument right. for like basically anybody. But I would say Soul uh, could frequently become a problem. They are not scared of your better ground forces. Right. They tie basically, yep. and, and Soul does a lot of what you do so much. Right, better. we already said that. Like you, they're doing it faster than you. Yeah, um, Necro is kind of the same way for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Necro also would love to probably get Exo Trireme too, yep. and Necro is the kind of race that uh, has certain advantages when it comes to command counters. So yeah. because they're not as like slow as you are. Getting Exo Trireme 2, they could actually really realize the full potential yeah. of that tech. If, if Necro's my neighbor as Sardak, I will strongly start stop considering Exo yeah, Trireme. I mean, I would... D- depending, there's a lot of circumstances that can come up in that, but like it's pretty not great for me for Necro to have that. And I would say, honestly, in some ways, Hakan is, if you wanted, a lot of people point out Jolnar is like a polar opposite to you, mm-hmm. and that, a lot of that stands, but I think... With the logic that I'm applying with Sardak, Hakan is your true opposite. Yeah. Because when you lose units as Sardak, it costs you a lot. Yeah. Because you don't have the command counters to justify it. You don't have the money right. or the tech advantage to justify it. Hakan is the opposite. Yeah. They when the they lose fleets, they can come back from it so easily. Yeah. And that's the real thing I want to stress kind of in, in the closing arguments of this episode is that while you have this combat advantage, you cannot lose fights. Right. So what makes you a superpower? Smart aggression, yeah. basically. Is being and it's really a, not a superpower. The, the thing is, the thing you have to play Sardak Nor as, you, you kind of don't have a superpower. Right. You're playing as David yep. against you, Goliath. You, you're, you're, you're a scrappy fighter, yep. but you're not an all-out war exactly. fighter. And yeah. I think that's kind of the trap that a lot of people have fallen into when they play Sardak Nor and discuss Sardak Nor is this idea that you need to go, Warfare. you know, knives out right. all the way. No. And you just don't have the resources to make that happen. Punish players. And if yeah. there's nobody to punish, be building up your own stuff. When you are aggressive, do it very smartly. Yep. And aggression is kind of your, the, like, aggression and diplomacy 
are kind of equal parts your strategy. Right. It's not just aggression. It's also being diplomatic have because you are the Always poor man. Yeah. You're the poor man at the table. You can't just go out. You can't beat everyone over the head with a stick, right. you dingus. <laughs> you, have, you have to be smarter yeah. than that. So because we don't really have a superpower, the, the place you're looking for your victory is exactly what the objectives tell you right. and nothing more i like this so much better where am i looking for my victory wherever you can find it yeah i think we may have said something like that before with a different race yeah but it's um, that's it's very true with sardagnor it's so true with sardagnor don't get distracted by anything else right let the vps guide you and remember that you are you're behind you're behind yeah. everybody yeah don't forget that Look at the VPs, let them tell you what to do, and obey them more than most races yes. would. I don't think I have to say that you need to avoid getting a lead because I doubt you will. Right. But if you do, that's a problem. That's scary. Because it's really you, scary to have a lead as Sardak. You can get shut down. That when the when the new objective gets turned over, that is a much more dramatic yes. moment for you than it is for most races. Because it might decide your next three rounds, right? depending so, on the objective. Yeah, so, yeah, you're sitting on four VPs and everybody else is sitting on three or two or one. Uh, don't get cocky yeah. because you're, you're, you're shut down pretty easily and new VPs are going to come out and that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Playing as Sardike Noir for me, uh, I played I played them quite a few times in general when it comes to Twilight Imperium now, and I have to say it is one of the most stressful yeah. races for me to play. I do like them. Please don't think that I don't think they're a good race. When we when me and Matt split up the races as far as who was going to play what and who was going to write yeah. what um, strategy guide, I knew I wanted to do Sardak. Right. I knew I wanted it, but I th- it's hard. Yeah, it's that's the interesting argument with Sardak is at the beginning we said. Don't be deceived. They're not good for new players. That doesn't mean they're not good. It means there are so many factors to consider. But if you are good at considering all of those factors, you can have an you can have a good game yeah, with Sardak yes, Nor. Yes. Absolutely. But I feel like you are playing um, the most intense game of Twilight Imperium you'll ever play when you play yeah. Sardak Nor. I, I I think so. I think they are one of, if not the most intense race to play. Yeah. And it is because really the developers were they're afraid, afraid of them. Yeah. They are they are afraid of that plus one combat bonus. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of that going too far, that getting out of hand. So in that way, you're kind of handcuffed right. in a lot of it's ways. It's an interesting they just they didn't they wanted a board game where combat where war wasn't incentivized but they wanted a war race Mm -hmm. and so they didn't want to make the war race too good because that would mean combat is good and so sardak nor got trapped in the middle yeah um and i don't think that uh i don't know i I just want to emphasize like i i don't think they're bad i think they're difficult yes that's that's what that's really it they're not bad they can have amazing games but you got to play it. You earn it. You and, earn it when you right. win with Sardak Noor. For sure. For sure. And there's a lot of really cool opportunities. I know a lot yeah. of people really love Exo Trireme, mm-hmm. too. And, and it's going to work in a lot of games. It is. It's going it, to, like, pay off in a huge way in certain games. It's the kind of tech that leads to, like, stories and yeah. interesting, like, plays and stuff. Yeah. And in the hands of a race that didn't start with zero tech, I would be so down to just say, like go for it do it it's awesome it rules it's so cool yeah and i think you will have potentially games where that happens yes. there's a lot of you know action cards that give you free text there are agendas that can give yep. you free text that can help you get on like a more solid footing Definitely. and those games are going to happen yeah 
So that's it. We're going to wrap it up there. Let's jump into some errata before we finish this one out. Yeah, We're going to do some Nalu errata. Bugs. Bugs. Bugs, Bugs, man. Bugs. Bunny. Bugs Bunny. When you play as the Sardak Noor, the people on the ships... Mm, mm-hmm. This is going to be fun. I can't ...are wait. all Bugs Bunnies. Oh, that's how fun. What's up, there? Hey, yo, homies. Hey, yo, players. Hey, yo. I hope you're drinking your gamer fuel and thinking about how you're going to get good dog and thanks patreon um hey hunter do you want to read some i forgot what to do next (laughs) (laughs) let's Um, read some errata yeah so we're gonna do uh errata for an episode from two weeks ago about the nalu collective um the first errata is from grutar who sent it to us on our board game geek guild um, Grutar would like to add that it is not a terrible thing if you find yourself with a yellow tech specialty as well. Why, he asks or she? Grabbing Space Dock 2 can go a long way towards alleviating your production concerns. I don't think I would go there without the tech spec, but with it, I think it's a good option. I agree. I agree. Actually, I would even... A lot of people talked about uh, Space Dock this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I think it's a great place to go after you've got neuroglave i I don't think it's a bad idea at all maybe even like on the path depending on what you're doing i think rushing neuroglave is the best option but then going for space dock 2 is going to help with your production capacity which a lot of people noted is like it's going to hurt you a lot and if you can bump that up and get a lot of fighters out that is certainly going to do even better for capitalizing on what is good for you so i would even argue even if you don't have the tech specialty maybe it is worth going for as a extra as an extra thing not necessarily as definitely get space stock 2 every game the tech specialty helps a lot and if you have the tech specialty then it becomes a definitely get it why not you you it requires nothing else of you, but Space Dock Two is a very interesting upgrade yeah. in that um, you could also just build another one. Like right. that's the whole thing. So like it kind of gets like a little tough because it it's completely dependent on what construction has looked like for yes. you in your game. I think construction as a strategy card is the highest variant strategy card in any like. From game to game, there is no consistency with how often construction gets played. Yeah. Some games, every round it gets played. And the game we played today and other recent games, like, it's, like, never touched. It's a graveyard. Construction has either, in my games, been very convenient, where I'm like, oh, bloop, I can just throw one down yeah, here. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I've already activated the system. No big. <laughs> or, like... People are playing it first turn every single yeah, round that they get starving. it. Like they're like just so good. Yeah. Like they're like chess wizards right. about it. And I'm like, I can never use it unless I take it myself. I yeah. can't take it myself. Yeah. So I think read the game, but I, d- I do think Space Dog's very good. And maybe you should. We didn't drive home enough considering getting it, but especially point people pointed out that our tech path didn't leave a lot of room for qualifying for objectives. So if you start with a yellow and a green and you dig in for Neuroglave, it's not hard to grab a second yellow and then grab Space Dock 2 as your other unit upgrade after Advanced Fighters. Not a bad play at all. I mean, that's still getting into a lot of tech that you need to get because you probably need to get the blue on the way, but whatever. It's a nice third get. Yeah. If Fighter 2 and Neuroglave are 1 and 2 in whichever order makes the most sense for you, Space Dock 2 is number 3. Then... Combat Cotton from Board Game Geek asked this question. This isn't so much an errata as a question I feel like is worth answering. Um, 
I missed the mention of wormholes and how they affect Nalu. Do you want them to have access to more distant hexes, or do you avoid them so that opponents can't bypass your fighter screens? This is a really interesting question to me of, like, how are you thinking about whether or not you can do things to other people with Warzones, or are you more afraid of people doing things to you through wormholes? I don't know if I have a You said Warzones? Wormholes. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, going back to the overall theme of the episode. (gasps) What was that? uh, The wormholes are a sort of works. Oh, what do we do with the works? Well, so you're in possession of a lot of gum. (laughs) I believe Matt established in the episode many, many times over and over. And I would like to put out kind of a little separate thing. If you can make a super cut of every single time that Matt said, gum up the works, uh, I would love it. And it would be good for Christmas parties. <laughs> yeah. Get, go through those wormholes and gum up some works, I think is a good play. I think that's going to help. <laughs> he had an opportunity to back down from No, it. of course not. I will never back down from gumming like, up no, the works. No, those works are getting gummed. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely think do it. Be afraid of people coming in, but if you get there first, they're not gonna because you have Neuroglave. So get sit on them and be prepared to gum. Uh, next one is from Always Angry from Reddit Twilight Imperium. The big argument. This is uh, in their voice that I'm. This is my impression of Always Angry. The big argument against warfare was you can't stall, but you're the. This is Maine. Uh, but they are called always angry, so I feel like it's justified. Sure. But you're the easiest race to stall out, yeah. and you start with one carrier. So if someone else takes warfare and stalls, you're looking at grabbing one system round one. This is actually it's actually really sad that I did this in such a cheeky way because this is actually a very 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 this very good huge. point. Um, this this is honestly something that we kind of rushed ourselves through the Nalu episode, mm-hmm. and I think it suffered because we we didn't really. Always Angry called us out for not thinking through warfare enough, and they're absolutely right. Um, sometimes you guys just get us. Sometimes you get and us. And this is one of those times where you just got Nalu us, and we're all embarrassed. Going, yeah, Nalu going first, no matter what. Zero initiative means you are always going to, like, you. it's always possible for you to get stalled out with warfare. So you either need leadership or you need warfare. And I agree, because you only have the one carrier, the only sure way you're going to expand to two systems is is taking warfare yourself. So I downplayed the um, the strength of warfare, and I want to backtrack that 100%. I, I do think warfare is the best get. I was really into rushing for Neuroglave, and I still think that's valid, and if you see the pathway for it, I think do it. But if it's not an easy pathway for you to do it, you should get warfare. Yeah, That's kind of how it works. I want you to be aware of the trade diplomacy thing so that you can get Neuroglave. Neuroglave is more important to rush to than advanced fighters. Um, but if that does not look like it's in the cards, you really do need warfare to fix some problems. Yeah, I mean, you ain't going to be able to gum up the works if you ain't got the courier to get into the systems in the first round. You ain't gonna be, you know, those works are going to be working. You ain't gonna be like, you're going to be like, I ain't got no gum for this. So the play of the week. So um, the play of the week. This play of the week is from Martin, um, and I'll read it. <clears throat> Give me okay, <laughs> great. Give me a second. <laughs> Don't rush me. Okay, I'm trying to read. Okay. So this is from Martin's perspective. So when you hear me use the pronoun I, I am not Martin, but I may speak 
in Martin's voice. So I was playing his. his <clears throat> wow. Messed it up. <laughs> <clears throat> Please keep th- this mistake. Uh, so I was playing as Hakan. My friend Mark was playing as Muat. I helped Mechatol Rex with a single measly ground force, but I had a strong fleet of Dreadnought 2s and the Wrath of Kanara sitting within movement range and the secret objective to control Mechatol Rex and have three ships overhead. Wrath of Kanara, of course, is the Hakan flagship. Muat had prototype Warsun 1. Well, just regular Warsun. Well, not quite regular, but the standard Muat Warsun, adjacent to Mechatol Rex with no fighters aboard, and their second Warsun with 12 advanced fighters where it's two f- tiles away on a double-docked Barrag and Lerda 4. Double-docked is a really cool phrase, by the way. <laughs> and all the prerequisites to research prototype Warsun 2, that big old crazy one they can get. I had the technology strategy card and a lot of command counters and tactic pool, so I was confident I could move in and then stall technology to the point he'd be unable to use his prototype Warsun 2. I moved in, then shuddered in horror as his next action was to play focused research to get prototype Warsun 2. I played tech to get assault cannon. He does the same. My entire fleet died. Tragic. This one's almost not a play of the week. This is more like a... This is our first loss of the week. (laughs) You, Martin, messed up and did bad and is now in trouble. He's in trouble. He's in the... This this is the the (laughs) doo-doo... This is the corner, and you've been put there, Martin. Um... (laughs) Is that no, all? No, you the... had no control over that, and that no, no, no. sucks. No, Martin, I, I congratulate you on having the um, just the the fortitude to admit to us and all of the people that listen to the show uh, your doo doo mistake. <laughs> no, that actually you didn't really make a mistake. That's I don't know why I'm coming down hard at so you. They, he, like he had Mark. Had, had a, a, card. a card like he had a card so it, it's not your fault at all i just think it's fun to kind of dunk on you a little bit because <laughs> nobody thus far all the plays of the week have been like i did this awesome thing and i rule and they like dunk yeah and then they like look at the camera like i'm what the now? best yeah you're the first one to send something in that was like man this, this was the looks... worst thing that ever happened yeah to me. <laughs> this guy got me <laughs> um so yeah thank you so much for listening to us that's gonna do it we're gonna get out of here uh let's of course do our pitches we're gonna do this one fast Space Cats Pod on Twitter. Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. Space Cats Peace Turtles at gmail.com. That's the best place, honestly, to send us plays of the week and twi- uh, This Imperium Life. Yeah, that's the email. It really helps if you email those to us. Uh, we've got our Patreon now up and active. Patreon.com slash Space Cats Peace Turtles. If you're into that kind of thing, please feel free to support us. We also have a Discord. We'll have I, that I, link floating about. I want to thank, I want to send some very, very special thanks to everyone that has supported the Patreon Absolutely. thus far. It has done so, so much better than we thought it was going to do. We are actually floored. And you know what? You're going to hear a lot of the results of the money that everyone is putting forward in the Patreon. Yeah. We uh, did a stream today with no with the equipment that we, we just, just have lying around yeah. and it was not uh my favorite no nope. but the thing is that is literally what we are trying the to Patreon improve like that's what we're going we for will do and streams as hopefully once a month we'll, we'll try our yeah. best but you you will see those increase in quality as things go it's really it's really really exciting yeah. and i am so we are so thankful yes. to you and uh some special shout outs to uh some patreon supporters sam johnson 
Special thank you to th- Sam Johnson. Uh, Chisel, which is somebody that we got confused about your name. But we fixed um, it. We got we it. Fixed it's Chisel. It. We fixed it. It's Chisel. We know now. Same with Thom. Thom. Yep. Thom. Thom, thank you. Thom, thank you. A Thom, thanks. A Thom, thanks. <laughs> Um, Solid thumb thing. You can find us on Reddit. We post every single yes. week. Um, and by we, I mean Matt. Uh, <laughs> we have a guild on Board Game Geek uh, that there is a link to in most of the posts. Yep. Um, it is uh, kind of tough to use. And please, 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 please rate us on iTunes. That is very, very useful, yes. very, very helpful. Um, it helps with the visibility of Honestly, the show. It's such an interesting situation we're in because we are a podcast about one particular game. But we really are trying to make the case. And right now we're in a weird arc where we're talking about such specific things. But we really do want to in the future make a stronger case for this to be an interesting podcast for anyone to listen to. And that we can draw people into this game. Uh, we really wanted to do these race strategy guides. But when we're done with these race strategy guides, hopefully we really start to explore lots of different kinds of new content that get people that maybe would have never listened to a podcast about Twilight Imperium to now do that. So ratings help that visibility, and it helps get people to at least try it out. So please, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Also, we want to go ahead and keep throwing the pitch out. We haven't said this in a while, but it's still kind of a little project we got in the back. If you can send us bad board game ideas, a great example of a bad board game idea is something that just doesn't make any sense. It's not an actual board game idea. Don't even think of it as a real idea think of it as the first thought of what an idea could be yeah yeah it's uh it's that podcast is actually really coming along in it a is. way that uh, i am very excited about yeah i don't know how far away we are till you listen to it um but the work that we've done on it thus far is uh super exciting yeah and i'm really excited about it yeah um uh also here's something very important uh to bring up um but uh, I don't know if you all know this, but actor, comedian, banjo player Steve Martin yes. has returned to Twitter. He's back on Twitter. So he, now, more than ever, we need your We need your help. We need your help. And you know what? Take your money out of the Patreon and throw it <laughs> at Steve Martin. <laughs> Mail it to him yep. with a little note attached that says Twilight Imperium with a question mark. That'll, that's a tease. That's what we need. We just need intrigue for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And he's back on Twitter, of course, um, I think because he was probably ordered to. Because, by, by Netflix. By Netflix uh, <laughs> in order to promote um, something him and Martin Short are doing. Who cares? It's probably not even very good. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Netflix will throw money at anything these days. You know, what I mean? you know in fact, we have a Netflix special coming out soon. Uh, they're giving us a million dollars for it. Um, handed it right over but no so steve martin is back on twitter and uh really this is now. optimal time to get yeah. him to play Twilight we're serious about this tweet at steve martin tweet at steve martin he wants to know every time i look at his stupid face he looks like he's edging to play twilight imperium he just has this look on his face like and like every time i see him it looks like he is about to say like could totally go for some Twilight Imperium right now. You know what I mean? It just looks like that's what he's thinking. That's what he's saying to himself. Is that what edging means? Mm-mm. Yeah, I meant like edging, like in Smash Brothers. <laughs> Edge control. That's the thing is, not a lot of people know this, but Steve Martin used to be in, he was an ex-Super Smash Brothers professional player. He played with like PC, what was his name? PC Chris. PC Chris and, uh, you know, 
uh, Azen and uh, you know all those really good. Ken, man. Ken, him and Ken yeah, went at yeah, it. Yeah, him and Ken went at it, and uh, Steve Martin would main. This is enough. We're done. No, Get, I'm not. I'm done. getting out. I'm pulling. Steve out. Martin would main Jigglypuff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>